Good morning. Uh, for those of you who don't know or joining us for the first or second time, my name is Juan. I am one of the uh, people on the staff here. It's good to be with you. So thank you, Angel, for that reading. Uh, got me fired up. Thank you for that. Thank you, Pastor Michelle, for, for praying for me this morning. Uh, before, we, before we get into uh, our message this morning, would you mind praying with me for a moment? God, we thank you that your word is alive and active today. That a word you spoke through your prophet Isaiah thousands of years ago still resonates and still speaks truth and still reveals your character, your love, uh, and what it means to be your people. So we thank you, God, that we can sit on this morning and expect a fresh word from you. To expect to hear clearly from the God of the universe, but also from the God of covenant, who has chosen us to be his people. We thank you. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for your word. Give us expectant hearts and open ears. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so this is our third week now in the 58th chapter of Isaiah. And I hope you're finding, like I am, that uh, God continues to show you more and more good things out of this passage. Uh, Every time we revisit it, we see something new or reminded of something that we needed to get reminded of. The other day I was uh, driving my younger daughter, Sophia, to school. And she was starting to recount Jesus' parables about the kingdom of God that she had learned the week before in Kid City. So, Kid City, you want to volunteer because there's some really cool stuff happening there. So, Sophia's telling me these stories, these Jesus' parables, pretty accurately, amazingly. She's four, by the way, for those who don't know. And she asked me which one was my favorite. And before I could answer, she tells me her favorite is the one where the man digs for treasure and finds treasure in the field, right? And he sells everything to buy that field. And then she says, can we go treasure hunting? Can we go find treasure? So it was one of those moments, many moments as a parent where I had nothing to say. Um, But as I thought about that and thought about this passage... And this is now our third time through, and, and Sophia's probably not paying attention to me anymore. But I'm going to promise her and all of you that we're going to do our best to dig for more treasure in this well-trodden passage of Isaiah. To find more, more treasure, more good stuff. Past two weeks, Pastor David and Pastor Michelle have truly dug up some gold for us. Amen? And we're going to keep mining this passage this week and next. So this morning, we're zeroing in on verses 11 and 12, and I'll read those again for us right now. It reads, The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your needs in parched places and make your bones strong. Your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, and you shall be like a watered garden. Like a spring of water whose waters never fail, the restorer of streets to live in. This is the word of God. So in these verses, in verses 11 and 12, Isaiah proclaimed that by living rightly, God can transform the Israelites to be like him. Through God's provision in dry lands, God promised to transform them into verdant gardens and to be restorers of broken things. 
They would bring life into dead and destroyed places. And the same is true for us today. By living rightly, God transforms us to be like him. By living rightly, God transforms us to be like him. Now, some of you might take that as a legalistic statement, so let me clarify what I mean. Yes, it is true that we can only live rightly because in Jesus, sin and death have been conquered, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, we've been transformed. But because the Holy Spirit dwells in and among God's people, we can also be transformed by living rightly. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's okay if it doesn't make sense. Here's how Walter Brueggemann puts it. He said, Our most serious relationships, including our relationship to the God of the gospel, are at the same time profoundly unconditional and massively conditional. Okay? Profoundly unconditional and massively conditional. God's covenant love for us is profoundly unconditional. He loves you no matter what. No conditions. At the same time, the covenant is based in command. And God expects us to obey. It's part of the deal. God's love is unconditional, but he expects us to obey, which is conditional. It's conditional, right? We choose that. He loves us no matter what, but the degree of our conditional response affects our covenantal relationship. So, so I'm going to give you an incredibly silly demonstration to illustrate this paradox. Okay? So bear with me. What am I doing? Okay, this is not as good as Pete's table and water and buckets, admittedly. But what am I doing? Okay? You're never going to forget that picture, right? You're going to forget the sermon, but you're not going to forget me doing that. Why am I doing that? Over 20 years ago, my high school psychology professor stuck a pen in his mouth and did exactly what I just showed you to prove a point. Okay? Now, we've been taught that our, uh, our, our thoughts dictate our actions, right? Mind over matter. Is that a, a familiar concept for us? Mind over matter? We've been taught that we need to have right theology and we need to have right belief before we can live rightly. By putting this pen in my mouth and forcing my face to, to exercise the muscles that I would when I smile, my brain now registers that I'm happy and has rela- released those chemicals that tell my body that I'm happy, that tell my brain that I'm happy. In other words, in other words, my body commanded my brain into being happy. And hopefully some of you just be like, this guy's insane. But because we're already in Jesus, right, living rightly can lead to greater transformation and make us more like Jesus. When we obey and live rightly, as verses 6 and 7 illustrated, when we are just and compassionate, we find that God provides all that we need. We find joy in being radically generous. We find delight in spending time with people and hearing their stories instead of just binge-watching another show or doom-scrolling through Instagram. This is why relying on our feelings and our moods too much can be pretty dangerous. Sometimes we have to raise our hands in worship when Esther or Sharice ask us to. Because guess what? 
When you raise your hands, your body is telling your brain that God is worthy of worship. It doesn't matter if you feel like it. It doesn't matter if it feels authentic. The reality is God is worthy of praise. And sometimes we need our bodies to tell our brains and our emotions that God is worthy of praise. It's not inauthentic. That's part of of being in covenantal relationship with our God. It's an embodied acknowledgement that God is worthy of praise. This is why God expects to be obeyed. It's good for us. Amen? It's good for us to obey. Obeying God is good for us. God loves us. And he invites us to live in ways that are loving, life-giving, and that lead to flourishing for all of creation. So it's not just about us either, is it? Covenantal relationship with God is profoundly unconditional and massively conditional. But it's all for God's glory. And it's all for our good. So let's first get into where we see God's profoundly unconditional love in Isaiah 58. In verse 11... Roll up my sleeves a little more. In verse 11, Isaiah intentionally used a metaphor that would remind the Israelites of their heritage, of their story. He will guide you continually and satisfy your needs in parched places and make your bones strong. Now remember, after God rescued the Israelites from Egyptian slavery, he led them to the desert, to the parched places, to the sun-scorched land, as the NIV translation puts it. In other words, God led them to the wilderness. Now, the Israelites ended up making that time in the desert wilderness a lot longer than it needed to be. But for that 40-year period, God continually provided for them. Despite their constant unfaithfulness and sin, God guided them not once, not twice, but over and over and over again. And not only did he keep guiding and shepherding them, but he provided all that they needed in that place. In the desert devoid of food, God rained manna down on them every morning. In a dry and barren land, God brought water from rocks. He sustained them physically, and he formed them to be his people through the law. God kept them warm on those freezing cold desert nights as a pillar of fire. And he kept them cool during those scorching hot days in the desert as a pillar of cloud. As you can see, God truly did satisfy their desires and needs and strengthen them physically and spiritually. And this is profoundly unconditional love on full display. In Isaiah 58, God is very purposefully reminding the Israelites of their ancestors living in the wilderness and the ways that he provided for them. Because he's showing Isaiah's audience that this is who he's always been. Now, I believe remembering how God has been faithful is a really important spiritual discipline for us. Looking back and remembering God's faithfulness in our lives gives us courage and increases our faith for trusting God in the present and for the future. So here's what I want you to do. And I know some of you are going to hate this, but you know what? I I don't care. We're going to do it anyway. What I'm asking you to do for a few minutes here is to turn to your neighbor and take a minute to share one way that God has provided for you in the past. One way that God has provided for you in the past. It doesn't have to be huge and dramatic. 
It can be something small. Like I think a couple weeks ago, Pastor Pete's laptop got knocked off the couch and looked broken by an unnamed child. But praise God, God's provision, it wasn't broken. It was an easy fix. Uh, My boss uh, was diagnosed with breast cancer, but she had surgery and it's gone. The cancer's gone. That's God's provision. So turn to your neighbor, share one way that God has provided for you in the past. And kids, I'm expecting you to participate too. I can see everyone from up here, okay? I can't see you folks online, but I'm going to trust that you're going to share in the comments one way that God has provided for you in the past. So you have three minutes to do this for both of you to share. So keep your stories brief. All right, go. One thing, one way God has provided for you in the past. Okay. Come on back. If you didn't have time for both of you to share, that's okay. You can go ahead and find time after service to talk more if you'd like. You can sit with each other during potluck. So then it's a conversation starter, right? Instead of sitting there awkwardly not knowing what to, what to talk about. But, but be encouraged by each other's stories of God's faithfulness. You know, God reminded the Israelites of his past faithfulness to remind them of who he is. But he also reminded them of his past faithfulness to remind them of who they are, of who they are. The movement here from the first half of verse 11 is of God saying, here's who I am and what I've done. Now, in the second half of verse 11, he's saying, here's who you are. Or rather, here's who I've made you. Here's who I've made you. You are a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring or a giant Home Depot bucket of water. Because water never runs out. Water brings life, right? Now, it's a nice day today, but it is still winter. So this might be a little hard to imagine, but I want you to sort of conjure up thoughts of, of spring. And what happens in the spring, right? It, it rains. It rains, right? Usually it rains. And what happens when it rains? The grass turns a lusher, fuller green. The, the, the flowers stand up a little bit taller. The roots, which we can't see, of course, but are digging in, they're digging in deeper. Water brings life. God is saying, because of who I am and what I've done for you, you are now like me. You can bring life and you can rebuild the broken things. God's love for us is profoundly unconditional. He can't help but love us. And in our covenantal relationship with him, we have a massively conditional response to become like him. Our response is to become like him. So we can just just pause there for a second. God does all of the work in this scenario, right? God's doing everything. He saved the Israelites from slavery because he loved them. Not, Not because they were so great, not because they earned it. No, no, no. God saved them before he gave them the law. What does that mean? That means grace always comes before obedience. They didn't know how to be God's people, but he saved them. It wasn't conditional on who they were or what they did. Simply based on God loving them. And that equation, that equation of grace 
before obedience. It didn't change once they were out in the wilderness or once they were exiled or when they were living in the promised land. Grace always comes before obedience. God demands obedience from his people because it's what's best for us. Don't you want to be an ever-flowing spring of water? Don't you want to rebuild broken things? Because God's grace always comes first, we can obey. And when we obey, we become more like God. My feelings can tell my body I'm happy, and my body can tell my feelings that I'm happy. Our massively conditional response to God's profoundly unconditional love is to become like him. Once our identities are secure in God, our actions become infused with purpose, with vitality, and with vigor. I don't have to try to be an ever-flowing spring because I am one. It's like Harry Potter knowing he could conjure a Patronus charm because he saw himself do it. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you are nodding. Thank you. I feared losing you, but I had to do it anyway. He said, I knew I could do it all this time because I'd already done it. Right? You know, if I lost you again, I don't care. You you are an ever flowing spring because you are one. You are a repairer of broken walls because you are one. You are a restorer of streets and homes because you already are one. You are a good friend because you already are one. You are a good child because you already are one. You are a good student because you already are one. You are loved because you are unconditionally beloved. Know who you are. Trust the God who has named you. You've heard the past two weeks that God's love is not transactional and it's not conditional. And you're hearing it again today because either I'm not very creative or, 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 or this is God's word for his people in this season. Our theme for this series in this year is praise and prepare. It's praise and prepare. It's not praise or prepare. It's not praise then prepare. It's praise and prepare at the same time all the time. Praise is preparation and preparation is praise. We are profoundly, unconditionally loved. And our response is to become like God in our massive conditional response. We are secure in God's love and in who God made us as ever-flowing springs to bring life. So, so how do we do that? It sounds great to be bringing life, rebuilding walls. How do we do it? Okay, well, I, I hate to say it, but I, I think it's actually to step into wilderness. It's to step boldly into wilderness. Now, now for some of us, we don't need to step into it because wilderness finds us, doesn't it? Some of us, life is hard enough already. We don't need to go seeking out wilderness because it finds us. And if that's you this morning, then know that God is available to satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land. He makes your bones strong through his nearness and intimacy with you. Remember, as Jesus did during his temptations in the wilderness, that God is your sole source of strength. In the desert, God is surrounding you with his angels to attend to you. And you being transformed as you walk faithfully in that dark time. But for those of us who like to run and hide from wilderness, 
We're trying to numb ourselves from experiencing uh, the pain of wilderness through dry times. We need to walk faithfully into those trials because we are going to find ourselves transformed. And your transformation may not look like what you want it to look like. In fact, it may look like the thing you sort of fear the most. But as you walk through the wilderness, you will find that God has provided all that you need. And you may also find that some of the things you thought you needed, you actually don't need them anymore. The things you thought you couldn't live without fall to the side. Wherever you find yourself, trust the God who provided for the Israelites in the desert who sustained his people in exile, and who sent his only son to die out of his profoundly unconditional love. And in response to his father's profoundly unconditional love, Jesus' massively conditional response was to fully give himself for us. And this is why he is the living water, the wellspring that never dries up. And he's inviting us to walk faithfully and find ourselves transformed to becoming more like him. To become more like him. So to close, I'm going to ask you to do this one more time. I'm going to ask you to turn to that same neighbor or neighbors you shared with earlier. But this time, I'm going to ask you to be a little extra brave. Okay? Consider it a little bit of a wilderness experience. And share one thing that you need to trust to God right now. Or for your future. Okay, one thing you need to trust to God for right now or for your future. And if you have time, I ask that you pray for each other quickly after you share. Folks online, share with one another how you need to trust God. And then offer up brief prayers in the comments as well. So I'm going to give you a few minutes to do this. And then I'll call you back. One thing that you need to trust to God right now or for your future. All right, if we can come back. You know, some people are getting hungry and uh, don't appreciate being delayed like this. (laughs) Yeah. All right, we're, we're going to close, and I'm going to read uh, a, a passage out of 1 John chapter 2. This is from verses 3 to 6, and then we'll, we'll close in prayer. 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 to 6. And we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Let's pray. God, I thank you for, I thank you that we don't have to walk this life alone. I thank you that we have friends and just people sitting around us in this body that you've called us to, to which we belong, that we can trust 
and know that we are walking the same road. We are dealing with the same ups and downs in different ways. But God, we know that it is the same faithful God who is walking beside us, with us, in and among us. We thank you for your unconditional love that is really hard for us to put our arms around. It's hard for us to accept that we could be loved so deeply and without restraint and without having earned it. So God, for those of us who are struggling with that reality today, Lord, I pray that you would meet us afresh. Remind us, God, that we don't need to earn your love. It's not conditional. It's not transactional. You offer it freely. And as we accept that, as we, as we walk into it and choose to be bathed by your love, you actually compel us to have the response, the conditional response of obeying, of, of being obedient in, in these small ways of loving our neighbors, loving our friends, loving our family, loving our classmates. And as we do those things in our sometimes meager efforts, you meet us there and you, you empower it. You, you fill us with an overflow God, that you show us you are the living water. You are the wellspring that never runs dry. And then you make us like you. It is an incredible, incredible thing. So we thank you, God. We thank you for your love. We thank you that, that you love us enough to, to call us to participate. You, you take delight when we participate with you. And you call it incomplete unless we are participating with you. That's an amazing amazing thing so we thank you god and as we as we prepare to go into a time of communion as we prepare to come to your table lord reveal in our hearts what it is that needs to be dealt with but help us to to, to face that boldly if it's a wilderness season you're calling us into help us not to to be overly afraid some fear makes sense but our i pray god that our fear would be um, tiny compared to knowing how big you are how good you are help our attachment to to idols or different things that are holding us back loosen just a little bit today lord you are faithful you are good and you meet us at the table and you meet us in prayer and you meet us when we interact with one another we are a blessed people we are a blessed people we thank you god we we love you we so so grateful for for your love today in jesus name we pray amen